Hello, friends, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and, yes, even joy. Underlying every conversation is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which makes it possible to not just survive the loss of a child, but to live well while we're waiting to see them again in heaven one day. You can learn more about our ministry and the free bereaved parent retreats we host by visiting our website at www.whilewarewaiting.org. Welcome to episode number 182, which is a continuation of my conversation with Barbara Scorza. If you missed last week's episode, you'll want to go back and listen to hear the story of her family's escape from Hurricane Katrina and the homegoing of her son, Kevin, in 2011. Barbara is a gifted storyteller and has a great deal of God-given wisdom to share. Be sure to check the show notes for links to her blog and daily podcast after you've listened to the episode today. I'm excited to share the rest of our conversation with you right now. So as we're talking today, this is late November, and uh, Kevin went to heaven in January of 2011, you said? Yes. So it's been almost 13 years. You're just about to get to that 13-year mark. How would you say that your grief has evolved through the years? Right. Um, One of the things, two things that someone shared with me, so again, how God is always preparing. I moved from Eastgate. We moved there in 2005 when we first came here. Like it was very early September. And then by July of 2006, we had moved into the home where we are now. And in 2007, my next door neighbor's daughter was driving home from college, had an accident on the highway and died. And I remember going over, not knowing what to say or what to do, but wanted to show my face and to say that I love. And when my son passed, the neighbor comes over to me and he says to me, "Um, things don't get better, they get different. And that has always stood out to me, that they get different. And I had another friend who had lost a son many years ago. And she said to me, don't forget the little things. She said that because life goes on and people keep moving. She said, sometimes people don't mention your child anymore. Like they're afraid to say anything or they don't want to upset you. And it's almost as if they didn't exist. So she said, never let him cease to exist. You know, so talk about him often. And those two things have always stood out for me. So when my son first died, I think my first thought was, I can't do this. There's absolutely no way that I can survive this. And then I start thinking all sorts of things. Because when he was in the hospital and I'm in the waiting room waiting on him, I saw a woman across the room who looked like she was real upset. So I go over to talk to her. And her husband was having heart surgery. I prayed with her and everything. And then I remember when my son died, I'm thinking, I should have been praying for my son. Just thinking all those Uh 
crazy things. Right. But in the very first year, it was, I mean, extremely, extremely difficult. And I think what made it extremely difficult was one of the same things that made my divorce extremely difficult. I couldn't figure out how I could get through each of the things that happened in the course of a year Mm -hmm. that he would no longer be being a part of. Right. From kids' birthdays to dinners at the table to, you know, just all of those things, holidays, just everything. I didn't think that I could do it. So that first year was extremely hard because every day was facing an unknown. Mm, That's right. And the hardest part of any change is the unknown. Because once you've done it once, then at least you have an idea of what it'll look like next time. But when you've never done it, you have all of that of not even knowing what it'll look like. So every day that first year was extremely difficult. And then as we approached the first year's anniversary, again, I didn't think I could make it. Right, right. I, I didn't feel like I could face anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. I just wanted to ball up, curl up in a ball someplace and just hide. And I remember when my son first died, I remember saying to people, it's okay if you have to tell me to breathe because I just don't know that I can do any of those things. That's right. So if it looks like I'm just holding my breath, tell me to breathe. Yes. Yeah. But once I got past that first year, I was able to land on, because when Kevin had gone in the hospital and they told me that they were going to put a defibrillator in and I'm trying to process what that looked like, I landed on the scripture where that says that God loves us so much that you know, his love is just greater than all things. And perfect love casts out fear. So I landed there from the perspective of, I don't have to be afraid of what this looks like because God loves me and he loves Kevin perfectly. And I can trust that. And then when I approached that first year, that scripture wasn't sustaining me still. <laughs> right. You know, I uh-huh. still knew that, but I was still in a really hard place. And then God said to me in that point is better is one day in my courts than a thousand anywhere else. And then it changed my perspective. It was like, Kevin has got to spend 365 days from my perspective, because from a forever perspective, that's nothing. But from my perspective, Kevin has got to spend 365 days in the presence of the Lord. And better is one day. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew, you know, that was that thing that God said, I still got you. I haven't gone any place. I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And until we meet again. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. So we were just talking about how you felt in those early days of grief. And I remember feeling that same way that it was hard to draw a breath. It was hard to it was hard to even sit up straight sometimes. And then that first holiday or that first year, that first year mark, I, I remember being the same way, feeling like I just don't even want to I don't even want to be here for this one year mark. I couldn't even imagine coping with that. But of course, God was faithful and carried us through. But Can you talk to that mom or dad who might be listening, who is in that spot right now, 
who is at the very beginning of their grief journey, what advice might you give to them? How would you encourage them to just breathe again? For me, um, one of the things that I did mention was before Kevin's death, I would get up every morning asking God, you know, thankful for this day and what will you have for me? Well, after Kevin's death, I couldn't say mm. that. Yeah. I I couldn't find myself thankful for the moment, for the day, because I couldn't figure out why would I be here and he not, you know, because that's just, you know, in our mind, there's no way that that's the way it's supposed to work. But then I got to a point where in trusting God, I realized that even though I didn't understand it, that God had been gracious, that taking Kevin home to be in his presence is definitely better than what we're dealing with here. It doesn't feel that way, but when we can think of it from a heavenly perspective, he's better than where we are. And I don't know what he was saving him from. His kids didn't have to see him not being able to do anything for himself or not being able to take care of himself or them even feeling like they had to take care of him. So I don't know what God was saving him from. So what I would say is to trust the God of the universe, God who created all things, and he created each of us with a plan and a purpose. And God knows us, and he knows us better than we could ever even know ourselves. Scripture says he knows the number of hairs on our head. That's how intimate he is with us, and that's how much he loves us. And it may not make sense, and you may not understand, but trust that God is still God, that he is good, and that he loves you. And if we remember with a heavenly perspective, it's just while we're waiting, because it's just until we meet again. So, like I said, my encouragement would to would be to know that you feel the grief because you loved. So that's a byproduct of the great love that you had. If you didn't love, then you wouldn't grieve so deeply. So hold on to the love until you meet again, because it's just while you're waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that advice. That's, that's really helpful. I mean, that's even an encouragement to me at 14 years out. Um, so I appreciate that. Also, as we're recording this episode, Christmas is rapidly approaching. And I know you've had a lot of Christmases without Kevin here. How have you dealt with the holiday season through the years? And what advice maybe would you have for someone who's wondering how they can possibly face this first Christmas? Well, one of the things we did, especially early on, is we did things that he would like, things that he would enjoy. Um, We cooked his favorite meals and we sat around the table and we talked about it and we talked about him and we laughed about it because he did live. Yes. Yes. And so we didn't want to pretend like we he's didn't and we didn't want people to feel like they couldn't say anything. We all laughed about it. We shared funny stories. Some of us cried about it. I remember when, you know, his son, you know, I'd say to him sometimes, you know, I know it's a tough day, the youngest one. So we're going to sit here and we're going to cry for five minutes. 
we're just going to cry. We don't have to talk about anything. We're going to cry because we're, our heart aches. But then we're going to get up and we're going to keep moving because that's what God would have for us. And that's what your dad would want. So as we approach the holidays, I would, for me, it was always encouraging to not have people feel like they couldn't say something about him. So we involved him in it, whether it was a, this was his favorite food, or remember when he said this or he did that, and that gave our hearts some laughter as we remembered him. Yeah. And it gave people permission to talk about him. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it kind of opened that door because I think sometimes people are afraid to mention our children's names because they're afraid it's going to hurt us or upset us. And so if we open that door and let them know that we want to hear their names and then that falls on us, we have to be the ones to take Mm -hmm. the action to let them know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. So you talked as you were sharing about Katrina, Hurricane Katrina and the effect, the impact that it had on your life. You actually said there's kind of a a pre-Katrina Barbara and a post-Katrina Barbara. Is that also true with child loss? Is there a pre-child loss Barbara and a post-child loss Barbara? Well, for me, it's actually a little different. Like there is a defining moment for sure, but it's slightly different. From for me, from the perspective of, I don't want to leave Kevin behind. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like with Hurricane Katrina, that was something that was then, and then this is where we are now. But Kevin is is here always. So, is my life drastically different now? Absolutely. Every day it's different, and every day I miss him. There's not a day. This many years pass. There's still not a day that goes by that I don't think about him. I have, you know, pictures in the wall and I have him situated in such places where I have to pass him. And when I pass him, it makes me smile. So for me, it is not so much a pre and a post because he's still a part of it, although there's a defining line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What have you learned about the character of God? in your life journey? I, I usually ask that question, you know, in, in relationship to child loss, but you've had so many instances of loss in your life. What have you learned about the character of God throughout your life? That he loves, mm-hmm. that he is love, and that he always has my best interest at heart. Even when I can't see it, or even when it doesn't feel good in the midst of what I'm in, that God is working out something even greater. And because he's working out something greater, he can be trusted. And I've learned that, I believe that he is all-knowing. He's alpha and omega. He's there in the beginning. He's there in the end. He knows all. So I have learned to trust him in all things. I had someone said to me just the other day, that was asking me, like, you know, what was going on? Because this time of year is a hard season for me, even though we're this many years out. It's a difficult season because every time Kevin was sick, it happened somewhere between November and January. And I um, even had a post the other day about how this season has been a difficult, you know, it's always a difficult season, but it's not one without hope. Because even scripture tells us that even though we grieve, we don't grieve as the world because we grieve as those with hope. So, 
I had someone say to me, what's going on? I said, no, I said, everything's okay. And they said, why is it that you only tell your problems to God? Oh, good question. Yeah. So how did you respond to that? (laughs) I said, because I said, if something is going on in my life, God already has the answer. So I go to him because he has the answer. I said, and even if it's about somebody, then I go to him because why would I want to cause someone else to have some feelings about something that you can't do anything about? Mm -hmm. But God can. Yes. So that's what I've learned, that God can be trusted, Mm -hmm. that he's faithful, that he's love, and that he always has my best interest at hand. And because of that, I lean into the trust. That's right. That's right. And that's how you can move forward with hope as a bereaved parent. When you know those Mm -hmm. things and you know them to the depths of your soul, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's how we're able to move forward, not move on. But move forward, right. you know, Absolutely. with joy and with right. hope. Um, right. Yeah. So you have a lot of wisdom to share. I know the listeners have already realized that just listening to you talk. Um, and you share a lot of your wisdom through your blog and through your podcast. Your blog is called Scorza Sanctuary and it has some great articles in it. Would you like to talk a little bit about your blog? Sure. I actually started that blog many years ago um, with my kids because I wanted to to be an encouragement. I wanted people to see what real life looked like. You know, so I wasn't just trying to do something where we only saw the good things because I talk about hard things. I talked about hard journeys. So I wanted people to see what life really looked like with God. Because no matter what I'm doing, no matter where I'm going, no matter what it looks like, God is still there. I had, you know, someone said to me, how is it that you have a story about everything? (laughs) (laughs) I said, because God is in everything. We can miss it. Yes. But God is still there. Yeah. You know, so when I I look for him in the stories, like no matter what's going on, okay, so where is God and what is he saying to me? What am I supposed to glean from this? So yes, I do have that blog and I love to, I love posting there and it is about life with God. And I talk about my kids. I talk about my experiences, good things, hard things, and just things that I'm trying to figure out. I love it. I love the honesty in, in your blog. It's great. And then you're also a podcaster. You have a podcast, a daily podcast called My Morning Thought. I've listened to several episodes. It's always very uplifting and encouraging. I mean, it's the best thing to listen to first thing in the morning, which I think is the idea. Where did the name My Morning Thought come from? Well, I, last year, my birthday, I, that's when I started doing the blog. Now, right before that, I had had a scare at the doctor's. My blood pressure was sky high. It was like 191 over 120 something. And um, I said, you know what? There are things that I need to start doing differently. I know I don't control and God is in control, but God has also entrusted this body to me. And there are things that I need to start doing differently. I said, I don't want for something to happen. And I feel like if I had made a different choice, my kids are just starting to 
get off on their own. My youngest grandson now is 21. He's in the Air Force and he is married and expecting a child. So I'm going to be a great grandmother oh in December. Yeah, you want to be around yes. for that. Yes. So I decided that in order for me to, to even attempt to do the things that I was hoping that I'd be able to do, then God had to be in the midst of it. He had to be at the center of it. So every morning I get up and I say, if God is not my first thought, then I'm going back to bed. So I get up really early in the morning. So if, if God is the first thing that I think about, I'm going to close my eyes and go back to sleep and do it again because <laughs> I need God to be my first thought every day. So that's where my morning thought came from. So I get up and I spend, sometimes I'm there for hours, but spending time with God and asking him to show me what he has for me today, asking him to allow me to have eyes to see what he has. And then in that, reading his word, but what does that look like in real life? Like, you know, we said that we're supposed to love, but what does love look like? You know, uh, and how is God, you know, yesterday my thought was, you know, you matter. And God was saying that you matter, but everybody matters. And I actually used a scripture from Matthew about the number of hairs on your head. So yesterday I walked around and I would tell people, you matter. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Sending texts and writing notes like, you matter. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can just imagine how many people needed to hear that yesterday. You know, right, and and right. they got that little message from you, and it was just what they needed to get through the day. Well, I'm going to put links to your blog and to your podcast in the show notes, and I highly recommend both of them. Y'all have got to check out Miss Barbara's um, her writings and her and her podcast. All right, so one more question I always do like to ask before I wrap up a podcast, and that is about music. Has music been an important part of your grief journey? And if so, what is on your playlist? Okay. So I'm not a big listener to music. I do a lot of podcasts and I also do a lot of quiet. I was an only child. And when we came here, the little kids were in the house. My kids were 14 years apart. When we came here, I had little kids that were three, five, and seven. And my son was 11. So it was always noisy. I tell people it was like a party in my house every day. And I, and I couldn't understand that. Like I would call people and say, listen, are children supposed to be this noisy? <laughs> so, yes. so I do quiet more than anything. Yeah. But I thought about that question. And my son, I can still see it in my head. So every time I hear this song, and it is on my playlist, like it's on my favorite songs. Um, it's He Love, How He Loves, yes. oh, I know. the song by David um, Crowder Band. My son would sing that when in church, when they'd sing it, he'd stand and he'd have his hand up and touching his heart. And especially the line, the line where it talks about his love's like a hurricane. So that is one of my favorite songs. And Whenever I hear that in my mind, I can still see my son standing in church praising God, which again leads me to until we meet again. Yeah, yeah. Just while we wait. Yeah, and then he's probably doing something very similar. Absolutely. Even right now as we're talking to each right. other. 
Oh, what a beautiful picture that is. Yeah. Thank you for that. I love that visual. So before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share? I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. And when I came to that retreat and just, again, how God allowed me to even be there, I came to that retreat in mind thinking that I wanted to do a retreat for parents who were grieving. And coming to that retreat was an opportunity to meet you, to hear all those stories, but to say to you that any way that I can be a part of helping, I want to do it. So I came in mind that I would do a retreat, but what I have since found that my reason for being there was to meet you guys. So I am anybody that I know that's struggling, I'm sending them your way because what you guys do is just, I mean, it's marvelous and it doesn't matter if it just happened or if it's been years since it happened. That is a place where God comes and meets. So thank you guys so much for, you know, for what you've done and your obedience to God. And he's blessed you tremendously and we're blessed as a result of it. Mm. Thank you so much. We always say we're the ones who get the biggest blessing from the While We're Waiting ministry because we have the opportunity to meet people like you and hear stories like Heaven's story. And we hear, uh, we just have the opportunity to meet so many wonderful people. And Mm -hmm. it is a gift. It is a gift. So we are grateful. Well, thank you for joining us today. It has been such a blessing to talk to you. And I hope people will uh, check out your blog and your podcast and... Uh, Miss Barbara is just one of a kind, and I'm so grateful that, that I've had the opportunity to introduce you to our listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.